Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Royal the Roost Podcast. It's been uh, been a while. Well, we sort of didn't do one last week, but we did a extra slice one after uh, Chelsea. So, you know, stick it up your ass. Um, we have a full house today, actually. It's been a while. Happy 2017, lads. There we go. Seb and Raj, both uh, both here. You, 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 you've, you've pulled through now. You can finally... Face talking to me again. I think the expiry date on Happy New Year's passed by now. Well, not not between us though. You know, this is the first. This is the first like fully completed pod of twenty seventeen. I think. But we've spoken to each other lot since the year started. Yeah, but that's just bitching about people from Twitter in our WhatsApp group, isn't it? Really. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. Um, can't every everyone's got one of those, haven't they? I'm sure. Um. Let's not do all this New Year's Eve guff, New Year's Eve, New Year's stuff. I have no idea what I'm on about. Um, we broke the Pulis curse, lads. That was uh, that was good. I think you'll both agree. Um, significant result, what do you think? Seb, let's put it to you. Uh, not significant because of who it was against, just because of the form we seem to have arrived at. I think that was pretty significant. I think we're playing easily. Or I, I suppose West Brom, one of those teams that you kind of, if you don't play well, you you don't necessarily beat or, you know, you draw 1-1 one, one with somehow. Uh, but it was pretty ruthless. And uh, yeah, it was nice to see. I mean, I I, I, I kind of, I get the cathar- sort of the cathartic nature of, um, of of beating him after what happened last season. But I mean, it was just, it was more that I, th- I think we would have, we'd have taken apart anybody that we faced. Uh it was that good. It's one of the best performances of Pochettino. It's certainly within top five performances of um, of Pochettino's range, just because it was had everything. It was just ruthless, entertaining, a lot of pace. You know, looked very secure at the backs. Uh, full house. Um, would you got anything to add on that one, Raj Baines? No, it was a really good game um, in terms of how well we played. I don't think it was a good game for West Brom. It was just one of those where they they seem to be enjoying their football. It's not about it being particularly professional. It just seems that it happened last season where they got into that groove where it, it, the these sorts of score lines became inevitable because they seem to enjoy doing that to teams as much as anything else, which is you know what makes watching them so infectious. So I enjoyed it in that respect. 
it's lovely, isn't it, being in that place again where, you know, when you're talking about, oh, you know, who's who are the standout players in Tottenham's team? And you kind of, again, go through the entire squad, at least I would say, you know, in that game, the West Brom game, you looked at every single man that started and you think, well, they all serve a very unique purpose within this unit and they're all just fucking brilliant and they're all firing at the moment. They're all really playing very well. Um, big it's only loss. been a month since uh, you yeah. two were bloodletting as well, so... Yeah, I know. So. Yeah, yeah. I think it's... Uh, I don't know, it's just... It's interesting to... Again, as, as I... Yeah, I believe I said at the time, it is a mark of our quality that we were in contention despite not really having played that well, I didn't think, or at least having played that cohesively, shall we say. Um, but now it just seems to be that, you know, we've been going up through the gears and now we're kind of, we're getting there now um, at just the right time as well, hopefully, with this Diego Costa lark that Chelsea can start to, to drop a few points, but, you know. They'll be fine with or without him. You reckon? Yeah. Mm, they'll, they'll, they've looked fine with or without him whenever he's not been there this year. So it's just um, just one of those things. I think he'll he'll be there till the end of this season, no matter what. I think that's the agreement that they'll likely come to and he'll probably go his own way in the summer for a ridiculous amount of money um, into his back pocket. So you can't really can't really complain. I don't think any one of us would be, uh, be turning that down. No, no. Um Hatchet for Hurricane, obviously on the the week that his child was born, and he's now uh, he's now one goal away from Diego Costa, despite having missed I think what seven games this season. Yeah, mm-hmm. someone, someone yeah. Like Did you see um, Karen Brady had a go at him in paper? She oh, has a column it's... in a paper, and she had some weird like it was a horrible take in terms of like it was a clear stretch, but she just uh, she took up um, like some sort of problem with the way he worded his announcement of the birth of his first child and she tried to like shame him for that for some reason it was it looked really desperate it it doesn't look good for her to do that to some young lad who's had his first child it's not like you know she's expecting royals to come out with a town crier outside hospital to say he just put a tweet out bless him and she she looks uh yeah but she just wants attention raj the same old Karen Brady, though, isn't it? It's like she's, for as long as she's had a newspaper column, she she um she just says things for effect. Uh, but it's not even as if it was like an actual point. It was just a really no, it's very oh completely done. really contrived. But it's just I don't it's think Brady she has she has she has anything to do with Harry Kane or anything like that. It was just a a really uh, weird thing to do. Just sort of I don't think there's any um any sort of happiness between both clubs. Um, quite publicly, so um, so maybe that was it. But um, it's, it's just really, really odd little sidetrack to the weekend when that started yeah. popping up in the timeline, and you read it and you're like, is, is she written this or someone written it for her? What's happened here? It's anything to deflect away from that absolute circus, though, isn't it? Of that club, yeah. Like it's it's bizarre. Um, but yeah, Hurricane is a man in man in form at the moment. Um, do you you can't help but feel we might be in a in not not in trouble, trouble's the wrong word, but we definitely wouldn't be performing at the level that we are were it not for him, given Janssen's showing in the in the FA Cup the other day. Mm. Um you know, do you do you worry at all that with the, the again this like there might be a creeping over reliance on Harry Kane as we come into the crunch uh, end? I don't think so. I mean I I think that's kind of true of a lot of the players at the moment because I think that um 
the precious commodity. Kane's value speaks for itself, of course, but I think the precious commodity is probably the chemistry. Um, I think that sort of everyone's playing well, but everyone has kind of reached a sort of uh, a point of critical understanding of what their role is supposed to be, like from fullbacks to you know centre halves moving the ball into midfield because that that's that's been the big change. The kind of the the you know we're not sort of we don't seem to be reliant on giving the ball to Moussa Dembele and hoping he beats a couple of players to to, to progress up the field. Got a sort of a, an additional centre back to do that now. Um, so I'd worry about losing anyone. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's like saying it, it. You could kind of apply that to, to to most teams, though. It's like sort of what what would happen to Chelsea if they lost uh, Kante, or or if they do in fact lose Costa, or you know, it's it's kind of I don't know. It's that old adage, isn't it? Like I think I can't remember who it was. One of the, some journalist last year tweeted something like, you know, Tottenham without Kane's goals equal yeah, but, not very good yeah. it's like what well, how astonishing yeah. you know barcelona without messi you know real without ronaldo i mean you know it's it's, it's kind of it's pretty um it's pretty weak journalism you're saying kane's as good as messi and ronaldo there so. yeah definitely mate definitely oh, combined yeah All right, here's here's one though like jokes aside on that one you know, we <laughs> where of, are you gonna go well <laughs> with this? we 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 kind of with the weekend's opponents in mind um we kind of seem to have this like line that you know, well, Aguero is obviously obviously a lot better than Kane, but how much longer can you consider that to be absolute, like absolute truth? Really, I mean, the, the kind of level and the performances and the return that Kane has now as at least a league club striker, yeah. Is is it that ridiculous to say he's he's well, on par with with that type of player now in that sort of bracket? Would would we ever compare him? I mean, I, I think kind of the thing with Aguero is that sort of he's just such a uh, a, a different type of forward mm. um, in terms, well, stylistically, of course, but in, in terms of the way he moves and the way he scores goals. And I mean, Kane is. I mean, I I, I appreciate that he does a lot more than the, kind of the old traditional English centre forward. Of course, he does, but. Um, he is a bit more English in nature, and and Aguero has that sort of uh, South American glint to his play, kind of that that allure. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't really care for much beyond the economy of it, and the sort of well, look at the goal tally. It's pretty hard to argue with it. Um, I don't know. I, I I think there'll always be I think there'll always be a little bit of a, a bit of snobbery towards Kane because of the way he looks, because of where he comes from, because of the way he speaks. You know, I I, I don't think the sort of I don't think that comparison will ever make it into the mainstream. I think we'd just, you know, be happy that he he performs at the level that he does. Why won't someone stick up for white English men, Seb? There you go. Exactly, mate. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. Um, but no, the, the boys, the boys, amazing. I mean, just to just to kind of clarify where I'm coming from, really. I mean, you can obviously put down the fact that Aguero is probably, you know, more naturally gifted, should we say, and a. I there's a part of me that wants to say he's more technically gifted, but I don't know. Kane's shown an immense versatility to his play. Like you said, he's not just... He often kind of gets lumped into that. You know, he's the second coming of the traditional English centre-forward, but I just think that's so reductive because he basically looks a bit like Alan Shearer and Teddy Sheringham. That's but... it. He doesn't really play anything like Alan Shearer. No. I mean, they're sort of no, in any way at all. And there's no kind of, I mean, given what I've said, it, it sounds a bit ridiculous because there is no English centre forward who I would directly compare him to. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I think sort of, yeah, meh. 
It's fucking brilliant. Um, Deli Alley as well. Uh, it's apparently attracting interest from abroad. Although you know that's probably paper talk. Could be not, but um, we we sort of brushed on this before that you can't really see him going anywhere for for quite a while. But are you agreeing with a lot of the a lot of the hype that's being thrown his way at the moment, Raj? At all, Deli. Uh, he's been really good. Um, sort of the change of formation and him sort of settling into the season's been really good for his form. So it's not surprising that sort of now, especially around a window, um, people will be talking about our sort of thing because, you know, staff writers have got jobs to fulfil. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where it's going to take a ridiculous fee for him to leave, a, a bail size fee. Um, we've, we keep topping up these contracts to the point where we're in such a safe position with the players that they can't really force their way out of the club for for anything more than a than a world record fee. So it's we, we're in the best possible position you can be in modern football, um, especially with the the growth of China and you know that's not necessarily a, a bad thing because I think the point's been made enough times now that. They're doing nothing different over there than England did um, with the, the sort of the infancy of the Premier League and and getting players players over here and growing this league and um, so it's it's not really distasteful it's it's sort of um, almost hypocritical in the way that people are sort of laughing at one set of money compared to another. Um, totally, I mean it's kind of an, I, I often use them as the uh, as the yardstick, but I mean you could even apply it to. You know, a team like AC Milan, Ajax. When you consider that clubs like Southampton, even us, probably now have more punching power than an AC Milan or an Ajax, it shows you why English football doesn't really have a leg yeah. to stand on with this Chinese money stuff. Like it, I don't know. It's, I think it's revealed a pretty ugly side in quite a, quite a lot of people. I'm not saying that everyone that says you know the Chinese you know, who questions the motives of a player that goes to trying to at least their ambition in a through the lens of say like success in Europe um is like some you know awful racist or anything but at the same time I mean to just kind of I think it's more the personal <coughs> fucking hell <coughs> it's the personal attacks on the players that bother me quite a bit like as much as I don't like the bloke this whole kind of Diego Costa's a mercenary. He's this. He's that. Well, what does he really owe? What does he really owe Chelsea Mate, at all? Cannot tell you how quickly I'd be on the plane to China if someone offered me that kind of money. Six hundred thousand pounds a week. I, I, I wouldn't even pack. Grab the passport. Go. I mean, it's just you know. I, I kind of also the, 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 what was what Raj was saying about um, China and the kind of the parallels really interesting because actually I would argue that sort of the um, the the intentions uh, in China, uh, there is an, at least an attempt to be more organic in the future, and I say that the infrastructure or the intended infrastructure in 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 China is a little bit more advanced um, than it was over here in the sense that we okay money came into the English game through Sky and and um, sort of global visibility, but um, you know China is littered with kind of. Um, whether you want to call it cynical or not, with sort of academies and, you know, football has been placed on the, 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 the Chinese national curriculum. There's a real intention to kind of grow the sport from, um, from, from a sort of the, from younger generations over a sort of a 10, 20, 30 year period. Whereas we kind of, we, we did all the spending 
brought all the sort of the, the the expensive players over to this country and then thought, oh shit, we better actually do something about our um about our homegrown players about twenty years later. They've actually um, limited so, the amount of um foreign players that can play in a team at one time already. They did, they so, did that on Sunday. Yeah, yeah exactly. so they've yeah. so they've they've got one eye on sort of maximizing national interest yeah. and yeah, sort man. of improving their national team. So yeah, I don't I don't think any sort of criticism oh, oh, of them is, is it's not baseless but a lot of it is a straw man argument and mm. quite a lot of it is laced yeah. with fear of our own game being threatened by elsewhere because we do have this i'll say we the the sort of royal we as a as a country rather than sort of individuals but we as a nation tend to have this sort of imperialist thinking about you know being british and being the best and that probably comes from so i think it's european raj i think it's i think it's yeah there's a lot of it we 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 encounter here but i think it's kind of it's many european attitude in that you know if you're not playing in europe fuck off you know you you know there's no there's no acceptance that to become prominent the other other countries and other territories have the right to develop leagues themselves remember Um, all the the, all the, the the rhetoric that surrounded neymar because he he held out quite a while before he came over to Barcelona. And I can just remember there was all this kind of like, what the hell does he want to stay in Brazil for? What's he want to play? You know, like it's yeah. just like it's just nothing, you know, playing in front of hundreds of thousands of people week in, week out, probably still earning a decent salary, playing, you know, living in a pretty good country with decent weather, so on and so forth. It's just, it's just it's like, like it's something unfathomable. That, well, people forgot know, about Neymar that he was 16 when he made his debut in... in- Brazil so I think he was only 1920 when he actually joined Barcelona so it's not as if he he sort of he played his best years there yeah. and then came here for the money he you know he, he was a child and stayed in his homeland for as long as he felt comfortable and then moved when sort of he was he felt old enough and comfortable enough to and when Barcelona offered his dad enough behind the back of the tax yeah. man so <laughs> so there's that yeah. but this whole the, the past couple of weeks of football to be honest the, especially the discussion of football there's sort of it's not been great it's sort of especially with like the fact that we're having to sit here and discuss sort of who's better at a Kane and Aguero this sort of pissing contest mentalities yeah. so limited and stuff it's <laughs> this there's, there's no real use to it I'm not blaming you two because it is no, sort no, of no, a, no. a prevalent sort of part of it but you know even down to the fact that you know people were having arguments over who's scorpion kick was better and shit like that it's just sort of <laughs> no no but, 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 but that, that, that is football now though that is yeah. that's um the 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 idiots have won the war um, but but lads and... messi or ronaldo come on <laughs> <laughs> and you can only choose one for some reason <laughs> it's really it's really strange it seems to have you know just gone into hyperdrive over the past few weeks. I don't have no idea what the catalyst for that is, but I, more and more, even with sort of the the mainstream or the, the larger institutions putting out copy and features and things, it seems to be of a sort of um, like this, this weird wanting to just put a definitive end to things. And it, it, it seems really strange that you it's can't Russia. just have a... F- Fluid discussion, yeah. They're undermining. They're undermining football discussion to make the yeah to make the Russian Premier League. That's uh, my bugbear, Ed. Didn't I, I haven't watched the finale of Sherlock yet, but somebody was. I seen somebody online saying that Russia hacked or leaked the finale of 
Sherlock or something. What, like, fucking weird. Not, not jokingly. No, not jokingly. I think it's a real thing. I don't know. <coughs> Maybe it's a storyline. It's just such a weird fucking time to be alive, man. Yeah, uh, you can say that again. Right. Um, so, speaking of money deletes that are ruining football. Uh, yeah, these lot money... aren't a proper club. I'll happily say that. <laughs> if you want a definitive one, this is a fucking pound line outfit here. Yeah. Well, we're playing Man City, and I'm about to talk to Alex Timperley of Typical City. Hello, Alex Timperley of Typical City. How are you? It's been a while. Hiya, Jack. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a year since I've been on here, I think. Um, yeah, I have. I, I think we had, we had Mooney on. We've had Pollard on, and we've had Mooney on as well. Um, Both great choices. It's fair play. Good, good choices, but, you know, come on. You know you're the best, mate. <laughs> That's Very it. kind. That's it. Well, you know, that's, I'm a kind man. Um, Manchester City, Manchester City. Where do we Where do we begin, Alex? Because it's uh, tumultuous. I can't even say the word. Have I said that? Have I said that? Is it tumultuous? Yeah, I think it yeah, is. Yeah, tumultuous is right. Yeah, yeah. Do you think I should just use words that I know how to pronounce instead of trying to sound smart and definitely? Well, um, I know, man, go go for the longer words. Just just throw them in. Well, it's Russell Brand, isn't it? Exactly. Okay. Could I be Tottenham's Russell Brown? No, I'm, I think I'm too rotund to be Russell Brown, but he's quite, he's quite, <laughs> he's quite skinny, isn't he? Yeah. Um, we yeah, did... City. I, I don't know. It's, it's a bit crap at the moment. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's like the the problems with the team are just pretty massive, and they're the same problems that we've been saying have been there for ages. Um, so yeah, it's great to see. Obviously, apart from the goalkeeper who's new, and it's just a disaster at the moment. Maybe, maybe he'll get better. Who knows? I mean, a, a lot of people. I mean, you know, I think given the, sort of the the stature of the club and the the size of Guardiola, uh, in terms of reputation at least, um, a lot has been kind of you know talked about with regard to this but one thing I'd be interested to to get from you um is the kind of fan perspective because I've seen you know yourself and a couple of the other city lads that I, I follow talking about the the divide between the club and the fans and the the poisonous atmosphere that seems to be developing um at the club and that's that's something that sort of eluded the media at the moment as they seem to be focusing mainly on the on pitch stuff. Um, but I just wonder if you could elaborate on that, I guess, for anyone that might not be in the know about some of the stuff that's happening. Off, yeah. Off yeah. That's, that's, that's a good question. There's, it's not at the level of sort of outright protest, but I think the general feeling I get um, at the moment when I go to games and, you know, see people after is that there, there is a, there is a divide. Um, and it's, it's, it's a weird one because it's sort of, in a way, modern city's everything we ever wanted, which was to, the, you know, not be a total laughing stock and not have to worry about relegation every year um, and occasionally do well in the FA Cup or whatever. And that's nice and it's good and we've got some cool players and, you know, we've got, obviously we've got Guardiola now and that's been on the cards for a long time, so it's kind of nice to see it happening. But at the same time, it's like, it's it's not so much disrespect for the fans. It's more of just a, a, a not really thinking about how stuff affects the fans, if that makes sense at all. It's like 
So stuff like, you know, we, we boo the UEFA thing, the Champions League anthem quite a lot. It's kind of half because it's funny uh, to, and it's always on telly and it's just a laugh. And half because, you know, we feel like we've been treated a bit like shit by UEFA, whether that's financial fair play, which is a whole different thing, which you can't be asked to talk about anymore. But or even, you know, stuff like getting the team got fined more for turning up a minute late than the opposition did in the same game for racially abusing Mario Balotelli. You know, stuff like that. It's just kind of built up and built up. And, and then you get the, the club and be like, oh, you know, don't boo, don't boo. It makes us look bad. And it's just like, fuck off. Like, we'll do what we want. Mm. And, it's, uh, and it's like, well, you know what? It all comes down to me, to the economics of it, which I don't think is an issue unique to City. Um, I would imagine Spurs have a similar issue. It's like the areas around the ground and the areas where historically comes from is they're one of the poorest areas in Europe. Just every every time one of those kind of incredibly depressing maps of the poor bits of Europe come out, East Manchester's always on it. And then by the time you got Champions League in there or the third cup game of the month or whatever on top of the season ticket and then you get the club saying, oh, don't boo, don't do this. And, you know, even Pep being like, oh, it, do this, do that, cheer louder. It's just like, lads, just fuck off. Like, just leave us alone. We'll do what we want because we're the ones who've paid to be there. And there's it, stuff like that. And also, like, it ties a bit back into Bravo and Guardiola because there's all this, like, there was this air of, like, oh, you must respect them. And again, it's like, well, no, well, if they earn it, we'll respect them as we would with anyone, but we're not going to sort of genuflect the moment they walk in the ground. It's It's been a bit, it's getting a bit like that. And ticket prices were only frozen last year after um, everyone kicked off, basically. And it's it's stuff like that. You think, just give give the fans a break a little bit because these are the fans who sort of and it's cliched as it is but the fans actually did stick with the club through the second division when it looked like it was going under and then we moved with them to the new ground and filled it up and it's like just just give us a break a bit but then you you get the other crowd saying like oh we've got to be grateful we've got to be grateful and, and again it's like well no we are grateful but we don't have to be and you can't have the club sort of and the manager and that just telling us to be respectful and grateful and to be quiet. It's just great. And it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's quite a bizarre relationship, isn't it? That you, you, what, you're supposed to be groveling to the club. You're supposed to be you yeah, know, just and respecting it, every every single thing that they do just because. It, yeah, and it does feel like that. And I get a lot, you know, I, I wrote a thing about how Bravo should be dropped the other day on Civical City. And one of the things I wanted to point out is it, it's... Yeah, we, we were told, oh, Pep's going to come in and it's going to be amazing and there's going to be all this passing and, you know, stuff and playing out from the back and all that. It's like, okay, that's cool. And then as soon as anyone voices, like, hold on, I feel like other teams might have noticed we pass it out from the back and maybe we should try something else. You get everyone being like, oh, just have faith, just have faith. It's like, that's not what we're saying. We're just, <laughs> you know, we're just saying maybe it's not quite the promised land yet or the players aren't up to it at the moment, you know, and then it's all like, no, you got to keep that quiet, keep that quiet. And it's just like, and it's just a symptom of, of a lot of, you know, disconnects 
of modern football, I would imagine. And uh, like I said, I, don't, I doubt City the only club with a fan base who feels like that at the moment, mm. especially in the Premier League. I mean, do you feel? I know this this uh, this runs the risk of kind of veering into that sort of territory where you start bringing up intangibles and gut feelings and that kind of stuff. But you know, it's football. It's what, it's what we're here to do. Um, yeah. We have half the half the picture anyway of what's going on. Even the sort of most uh, the you know most intellectual of fans, they still don't really get the full picture. But just from the outside, um, I mean. There's obviously there's a there's a reductive narrative either way surrounding Pep Guardiola. You you have the kind of like you know ah you know he's come to he's come to the Premier League and he thought he was going to walk it and he's you know he's a fraud really and then you kind of have it the other way of like you know anyone that can't see what Guardiola's doing is a, either a you know a little Englander or they're a moron. Um, and it, I I think I do I do think that you know as as Time's gone on, and especially sort of the way you've been playing now, the, the narratives probably are meeting in the middle a little bit. I'm probably being a little bit harsh there, and you know, it's not it's not as true anymore. I think there is probably a bit more constructive conversation around Guardiola now. But that aside, I think one of the things that sort of stood out for me was uh, against Everton. It, it was quite strange to see him cut the sort of figure he did on the on the touchline to I, I mean I, I appreciate it it must be particularly frustrating and is there there is a hell of a lot of pressure on him but it it, it, it I don't know it, 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 to me it didn't really it didn't project the the best image to to have the manager sort of sat there with his arms folded just looking like he was kind of giving up a bit. Um, oh yeah, no, I, I think I think uh, early indications are there's a good chance that we're going to break him before the three years are over because you know it, it's it's sort of linked slightly back to the fans. Like we're not Barca or Bayern fans. We don't really need this sort of world class artistic football. We just want to sort of win games and have a good time. Smash United. Well, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that's way and like do well in the Premier League. It's way more important to us. Um, and all, and all this stuff like, oh, you know, we're meeting our goals in this area or this much defense, uh, defensive fucking passing around in a U shape around the pitch or all the City fans are just like, yeah, and what? And like, and I think it's fed into this atmosphere that he, he probably does feel quite alone in times like that when he's 4-0 down to Everton as, as his body language showed. Um, but you know what? Like, it's kind of was his fault that we were four new down to Everton. Like, I don't know what to say really. Like he's stuff like that. His body language isn't good. Um, maybe, maybe all the people calling him bold on Twitter have finally got to him. <laughs> but like, it, it's so many issues, which we've just been pointed out for years. And it's like, he stomps around the technical area, like as if he can't believe this is happening to him. But it's like, yeah, but, you know, we've got our fullbacks have got a combined age of 120. We've got Otamendi in defence. Like, we've got John Stones, who's is, is obviously going to be good. But at the moment, he's like, what is he, 22? Or, I don't know, something like that. And he's trying to adapt to playing in the Champions League after playing at Barnsley and Goodison Park. And you've got Bravo in goal, who, you know, is the only lad on the pitch who's allowed to use his hands. And he can't stop the ball going in the net. And it's stuff like that. 
and it, it does it does contribute to Pep's body language, and he does have a little bit of a Mardi streak to him, which we all do, but we're not all football managers, and it's. I do think you're right to notice it because it obviously transmits to the players on the pitch. Like you can see it kind of happening in real time. And it's, it is bizarre. It is. That's it. It just seems quite bizarre. It seemed a bit end days AVB with us. Um, I don't, it, it, it just, it, you, it, you know, I, I can't imagine this happening really. Well, I'm about to completely contradict myself now, but it was it's one of those things where you wouldn't have been overly surprised if after that game you're like, yeah, Guardiola's quit. You know, he's just he's he's sad enough. He did he did look like he was having his drop. Um, I can't see him quitting. I mean, he's nah, had strops, he's had drops before. I mean, it's not like you know all the stats. You know, the weirdos who rely on pure statistics with no context. They've sort of like created this image of him as a kind of placid, ice-cold tactician. Oh, and that's total bollocks, isn't it? Well, it's just, yeah, it's just not the case. Like, he regularly was just fuming at Barca, and he let the pressure get to him at Bayern because he is actually a normal person in some ways, like the rest of us. Um, but he even has lunch. I've heard sometimes, I've heard sometimes... I've heard he very strictly regiments dinner at City, though. So, well, you know, he, he might he might be some sort of weird robot after all. Who knows? But it, it's a bit odd. And January in his first season, he's already sort of looking a bit bemused. He had a bit of a thousand-yard stare going on, didn't he, when he was mm. sat on I, I don't know. I reckon there's loads going on that we don't know. And it's his first winter break and all this and he's probably enjoying Manchester and learning about a new city and things. I, I don't know. I think, I do think we sometimes underestimate and I think AVB is a really good example of that, how managers actually do need time to settle in just as much as players do sometimes. But who knows next year he could charge on and win everything. But this year I think the race is done to be honest. And we're, we just need to get top four and move on and get rid of some of our really old players. Who uh, Who's cause that's an interesting point that you raise on there because yeah, the uh, sort of one of the sort of clickbaity headlines was Guardiola to swing axe, mass clear out in summer. Who would you anticipate is kind of on their way out? I mean, you did your defense kind of looks Otamendi's bizarre. Well, there's, there's three categories, right? So there's the players you forgot still play for City who are going. So that's like, do you still have Roque Santa Cruz on Brooks? No, thankfully not. He was only there for four or five years, though. So, you know, that time passed quite slowly, as I'm sure you can imagine. But, yeah, no, there's players like Bonnie, uh, Wilfred Bonnie, who is obviously failing at Stoke, just as he failed at City. Um, Mangala, apparently being quite bad at Valencia. I mean, obviously, I only watch Premier League, so I'm not really sure how he's doing in Spain. Apparently not very well. That's the first category of all of them. They'll, they'll either go or sort of hang around in the car park collecting their wages for another two or three years. Like, was that fella at Chelsea, Winston Reid, whatever his name was? So just he's got, still there, mate. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him. If I was a footballer, I would definitely not voluntarily cancel my contract. But yeah, then they'll, they'll all go. And then you've got the kind of older players whose contracts are running out and they're not likely to be renewed 
but who are still kind of legends. So like, you know, Yaya, I think Zabaleta's contract's running out, players like that. Um, I would expect neither of them to get a new contract, as unfortunate as it is. I'd love them to stay around forever, but I just can't see it happening. Caballero's another one. He, you know, he's an all right backup goalkeeper, but I think his contract's up and he's 35. And then the third category is like the kill list category. So that's your Otamendi, Kolarov, them sort of people. You just think, surely they've got to go. And if not, they sh- should be killed. Just so they're not there. Like Otamendi is just his disaster. I've never known anyone apart from Claudio Bravo to have gathered so much hatred from the fans in such a short space of time as Otamendi. He's he's a disaster. Is it one of those things like is is it just his ability? Like is he just bad or is he playing like a twat as well? Well, he always plays like a twat, and he, he. he spent his first season half of his time in the opposition half like as in level with David Silver a lot of the time and you're just like what what are you doing like why are you there how did you get there like and then the other half of the time he spent on his ass or making mistakes but the theory kind of going around amongst some of my friends at the moment is he's so annoying and he's so easy to hate because the gap between how hard he thinks he is and how hard he actually is is just so huge and it just makes you hate him because he like struts around going into these big tackles and he always comes off second best and it's just like oh, it's horrible to watch he always gets caught out he can't organize a defense i think we were quite fortunate for so long to have um kind of company at the peak of his powers where even you know he made the odd personal state but he was absolutely peerless when it came to organizing everyone else and since then, it's like gone from sort of Demichelis, Otamendi, Mangala. None of them have got the head to sort of actually tell people what to do for nine minutes. And this is also combined at the same time we lost Joe Hart. Again, I understand he's got his critics. I think all his critics are wrong, but I understand why people might not rate him. But he was excellent at organising the people in front of him and the difference between him and Bravo. Like, you can literally hear it in the ground. Like, I used to be able to hear Joe Hart from my seat a lot, telling people what to do, like, when to push up. I haven't heard a peep out Bravo all season. And that, you can that, see it has an effect. You can see it. That was a pretty divisive move, wasn't it? Because Hart, if I believe correctly, is a bit of a fan's favourite, isn't he? Yeah. He absolutely is. He's been on City's books. I think next year will be his 10th year he's been on City's books. You know, he's won FA Cup, two Premier Leagues. He's been vocal. He's been he's been excellent for us. And, like, he, get, he has his critics again. Like, and I said that a second ago, and I do understand it. But at the same time, he's been brilliant for City, and he always stood up for the team and the fans and the club and that. And it's hard not to love him, really. Um and the way he left or was forced to leave and it didn't go down very well. And it's like, oh, he got put on in the second leg against Stoyer Bucharest for a sort of farewell to the fans. And everyone was singing like City's number one and singing his name for the whole game. And then so I can't even remember who it was, but someone was saying, oh, that must have been awkward for Guardiola. It's like, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not the point. And he's doing all right at Torino, apparently. But he's—I I hope he, I hope whatever happens, I hope there's some sort of 
way he can come back, even though there's not, and that's definitely a dream because Pep's not going to change his style and he's made a point of saying he doesn't think Joe Hart's up to it, which is, it's a shame. But yeah, two Premier Leagues, that's awesome and he'll always be remembered wherever he goes. Should you like, let him go to Liverpool? That's like the big link, isn't it? I mean, I could see it happening. I wish it wouldn't. I really, really, really hope it doesn't. Um, maybe maybe City will just do that thing where they say they're not selling to a title rival. You know, he might end up, to be honest, he might end up staying in Italy or going to Juventus or one of the Milans or something because Buffon loves Joe Hart. Like, he's always rated him extremely highly as one of the top three keepers in the world and he's done it repeatedly. So if he stayed in Italy, it wouldn't surprise me at all. And, I mean, if I've got offered a job in Italy getting paid tens of thousands of pounds a week, I'd probably take that. Be quite good, that, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be pretty sound. Like, he's living in... Like Turin at the moment, like that's that's not bad. You can see him at Juve. Like, I mean, how long's Buffon? Buffon probably be playing till he's seventy, though, won't he? So, yeah, he's he's pretty in shape still, I think. But well, they, I don't even know. Terrifying, like eagle-like face, though, Buffon. Yeah, I think I. I mean, he has got a pretty terrifying face, but I reckon if anyone's earned it. If you know what I mean. Oh yeah. Earn the right to look sort of intimidating and eagle-like. It's definitely him. He's, yeah. he's, he's he's good at catching balls, isn't he? Yeah, and you know what? A goalkeeper who can catch a ball, that's apparently a bit of a rarity these days. Well, maybe that's only at City. You, your keeper can catch a ball quite well. He's right. He, I, one thing he cannot do, though, is kick a ball for shit. So that's why I'm... I'm Quite uh, happy in a way. It means you lot aren't going to sign him. So you just beam it into the stands and the dugout quad. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot, does he? Yeah, uh, he's, he's, I think they've all, they've all really got a weakness, to be honest, aside for maybe like someone like Buffon or yeah. perhaps a Neuer. But... Laurie's is yeah, his distribution is woeful, as you'll see. Like really like comically bad at times as well. Okay. But That's encouraging. The okay. amount he he gets us off the hook though, like by being 
generally amazing at everything else is, you know, what... Yeah, last-minute saves on the line, that sort of thing. Yeah, that kind of amazing That's reflexes. And... I mean, he's not going to go anywhere, is he? I mean, what is he now? He's a bit older than you sort of think, isn't he, as well? He's only... Oh, no, he's only just turned 30. But, I mean, I had him in my head for ages as, like, 25. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, he's not, because that would have been pretty much you set for life if he was 25. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you reckon? Do you reckon he's a bit old to go somewhere else now? Or? I don't know. Stuff. I think yeah, it's just, it's hard to know where he'd really go. Cause he, he's actually, um, he's got a fairly decent, uh, he's, he's, he seems like a good lad, Larissa. He's got a fairly decent yeah. principled stance on, um, like PSG. He doesn't like PSG, for example, he doesn't like what no. they've done to the French league and so on and so forth. Um, and I don't, I, so I, on that tack, I, I don't know if he'd be lured away by you know just on a on a on a money basis. So he's always kind of maintained that he joined Tottenham, you know, from Leon, who are a Champions League club. But he joined Tottenham because he saw there was a, a bigger vision there, and yada yada yada. You almost a project, then. yeah, a bit. And I think you know the only the only one I could really see happening is maybe like maybe but highly unlikely if it were a Barca or Real you know that's but that's kind of you can can be said of any player pretty much can't it oh yeah basically well I mean who in the world wouldn't go there really football I mean we as fans were like well Real are kind of disgusting and Barcelona aren't much far behind but for footballers they they kind of revere those places don't they yes it's the mecca isn't it really for yeah for for football players, but um, how, how what what do you make of Spurs at the moment, mate? I mean, how how are you feeling going into this game? Because I mean, you, you obviously your last result was was awful, but yes, I'm yeah. I'm you know I, uh, th- there seems to be sort of almost a, a an an alarming level of cocksureishness amongst quite a few Spurs fans that we're going to sort of you know we'll have them, we'll have this lot. I sort of saw quite that that sort of sentiment coming through as you were playing against Everton. And I think my, my big concern is always that a manager like Guardiola, for all his flaws, learns a lot more about his side in a game like that Everton one than he does, say, if you were to have just beaten them routinely 1-0. Um, and that, that's... Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's fair. I mean, I- I'd be amazed if... Guardiola didn't have some sort of specific plan for Spurs, um, and I think it'll be, I think it'll be a lot closer than the kind of our last results would predict. I mean, you will, you will beat us, I think, and I think you'll score within the first twenty minutes, and that'll be pretty much game over. But I, I don't think it'll be a runaway victory. And also, with the Spurs fans getting cocksure, I'm pretty sure that happened last season as well, didn't it? Like towards the end, before it all went wrong. Um, I seem to remember that came third in the two horse race and all that. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It's just, but I, what what I've said, I think I said to you before about Spurs, and is it, you're obviously a really good team, and you've got some great players, and they work really well together. And Pochettino is obviously going to, well, he's going to be a top manager. I don't think he's quite there yet, but it all comes down to the issue of I, I'll probably fully buy into it when you actually win something. Yeah. And 
I don't want to be harsh about it. But no, I no, thought, no, it's fair. I, I thought the same about City before we won the FA Cup. You know, it's like, it's great playing amazing football and that, but you do actually have to, at some point, kind of jump that last hurdle and win something. And I don't know what that'll be or when it'll be for you. Presumably it'll be when rather than if with the way you're playing at the moment. But it's a mental barrier. And as we've seen kind of every time in very recent seasons, Spurs have come up against a proper mental barrier. You all haven't managed to jump it. No, this is this is <coughs> this is it. The big challenges yeah. we have bottled, for want of a better want of a better word, really. Um, and that's that's the thing because even though you're playing much better than we are at the moment, if it came down to last day of the season, you know, if whoever won out of our teams won the title, I would back City every single time at the moment. Um, because I've just got more evidence that these City players have have won when they're up against it, you know. And I've got absolutely none that Spurs players have. And I don't want to start, like, kind of a, a fight about it or anything. Because, I, like I said, well, I think... It's, you'll it's good, us. mate. You don't want to start fighting me. I'm well hard. Uh, but, you know, I mean, like, I, think, I think you'll beat us. But, yeah, I'm just not fully having this Spurs team until you've actually won something. I think that's a more than fair point. Yeah, and like, you know, it's all very well. Like, fans should be allowed, you know, you're playing so well, fans definitely should be enjoying it. You've got to make the most of this stuff. Life's short and kind of often terrible. So when your football team's doing well, you should make the most of it. But it'd be, it'd be nice to see Spurs win something. Do you think finishing above Arsenal counts as winning something? Because they seem to treat that as winning something when they finish it, above us. Uh, no, I, I'm not... I, uh, it depends if they if you finish fourth and push them to fifth definitely like i i ran a, a poll on typical city once where it's like would you rather win the premier league and united finish 17th or come second and they finished 18th <laughs> and it's like definitely the second one definitely because like it's not technically a trophy but it sort of is at the same time because you know beating rivals is fun and football's meant to be a laugh I don't know. Can you see Arsenal dropping out of top four this season, though? I, I I don't even know with them. You know, they're they're such a strange team, aren't they? You know, they yeah. are all over the place. You can never really predict. I think the, the the most damning thing I can say of Arsenal nowadays is that like they're just there. You know, like they're they're just yeah. a they're just a club that's just they're just kind of there. You just sort of think, yeah, they're Arsenal. They're they're decent, but whatever. You know, Sanchez is good. But rest of them are kind of a bit stroppy recently, aren't he? Mm. Allegedly. Mm. Allegedly he's had a bit of a strop recently, which is understandable, I think. But <laughs> even how much he's pulled them all through on his own at the moment. That's it. Uh, I, I, I don't know, they just they are. They're a they're they're a weird club. I know I, I know I'm biased, but to me like they're just they're quite they're quite a boring team nowadays. They're quite characterless. There's not really a lot of identity there other than Arsenal fan TV laughing at that when they fuck up, you know? That's yeah, I, I definitely go through stages of Arsenal fan TV because I sort of instinctively despise all fan telly channels and the people on them. But Arsenal fan TV, it it's kind of transcends the genre a little bit, doesn't it? it oh, yeah. It's, it's a cultural phenomenon. It's, it's like surrealist stuff. Like, I just don't. I still, I still don't believe that those people actually exist in real life. Like, if it turned out that they were character actors, I, I, I wouldn't even break stride. It's just like, yep, 
that makes perfect sense. Well, you know, the pirate guy, Bully? Yeah. I've seen him, he cropped up in a, oh God, I can't even remember the name of the film now. Um, but there's a, a British film, it's about, basically about a, a homeless guy trying to travel back home for Christmas. He's he's up in up in Scotland, well, he's not travelling home, he's in Scotland and he's trying to travel to his brother's place and his brother lives in London and he's going all the way across the country. But in uh, there's one scene in a homeless shelter and Bully pops up, he's not playing Bully, He's 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 playing a, a homeless guy in a homeless shelter, um, and he's just yeah. What? There. It, it, yeah, it's bizarre. I just these are things I just don't. You know, I'm so, going to find the name of the film for you and I'll, I'll yeah, tweet it to you or something. But I have a look. But like, there's there are certain things that happen in the world that I just they're just unexplainable. Like, how did that come to pass? Like. Who got in touch with him and asked him if he wanted to be in a film? I, oh, I don't know. Arsenal fan TV, man. That's it. Um, so the Spurs have a telly channel. Yeah, we had one spurred on, um, set up by Shot Glass as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the conglomerate behind all these independent fan yeah, channels. The, the authentic voice of the fans set up by the authentic voice of the fans. a TV production company. But um, we, I did. I did think it was strange how these authentic voices of the fans all seem to have quite expensive, high-end equipment and stuff like that. And polished production values. And... Yeah, they did seem to spend a lot of time on editing and production. It was quite strange. Which is, I think that's something I can probably give Arsenal fan TV. I've got, got to be careful how how many plaudits I give anything to do with Arsenal. Now. <laughs> you get in trouble for wearing like a. A red item of clothing. Do you do you like that the whole never red thing? Out not not on a match day, but like not really. We we do it sometimes, um, sort of as a piss take about Spurs fans saying it to each other because it's mm. become a bit of a thing on the internet. It, it's we we've all noticed that Spurs fans being like, what, "What's that red thing for, mate?" We we do it sometimes in Man United, but you know, anything goes with United fans, doesn't it? Does I've seen some of their their awful banners that um get shared. Their banners are bad. The the nine eleven United in grief one was was perhaps the pick. That things was, like that. There's a there's a certain place for things like that, isn't there? Really, and it's you know. Well, football banners, yeah. But I reckon the ground zero is probably not the one. No, you know, seems selfish. It's quite bizarre, but that's probably uh, that's probably quite a good place to leave our discussion. I reckon, Alex. We'll leave, <laughs> we'll leave the the listeners musing on that one. Um, but you reckon you're 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 going for a Spurs win? Yeah, I reckon you'll win by I don't know two goals, Bloody and hell. I reckon you'll score within the first twenty minutes, and it'll be over by then. All right, and I'll, I'll I'll end it on one one final question. If you could take one player from this current Spurs team. Who would it be and why? Goalkeeper, Larice, because our goalkeeper appears to be scared of getting hit by the ball. And he just lets in loads and loads of goals. Against Everton, he didn't save a single shot. Awesome. I think he's let, let in, what is it, the first shot on target in eight games this season, I think. I, I hate him. That's... <laughs> There you have it, folks. Um, right, cheers, Alex. Thanks for your time, mate. Right, cheers, Alex. Um, yeah, Man City. Bad, bad bastards. Um, 
It's a big game, big game coming up, lads. Um, I tweeted out, and I did say this last season as well, but I I, I tweeted out the other day that uh, fucking hell, I sound like my dad. I tweeted out, um, <laughs> got on the computer. Oh god! <laughs> um, but I tweeted that I think if we beat Man City, we're going to go on and win the league. That's just my. That's the feeling in me waters. Um, the only slight actual foundation I have to this is that it's more points off of title rivals, and I I back kind of you know City to at least take some points off of the other title rivals. Whereas I feel that we've gotten how many we've got a quite a decent return against sort of the other contenders thus far, don't we? I think I think mm. we're third in the top six in mini league at the minute. Yeah. Okay. So. Mm. Could be better, but it's not bad. Not bad at all. Do you uh early early predictions? But do you sort of, you know can you consider as part of a title race now? Because it is it's getting to that stage oh, of the mate. season. Uh, well, I don't think that's deniable. You second after Christmas, yeah. Also, also, I mean, not this weekend. Next weekend, Chelsea and Liverpool play each other. So someone's dropping points there, and that's pretty interesting. If we if we knock over Man City this week, and I think we've got. I want to say Sunderland quite soon. Yeah, Sunderland uh, towards the end of the month because that's when we put the date on the sun chat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think actually Sunderland is the very... Yeah, I'm getting up now. Okay, so Sunderland is on the last day right, of the month. How excited are you for Sunderland? Yeah, very excited, mate. Really, really looking forward to that. Um, and then we've got quite a nice little run of games. And I, of course we're title uh, contenders. I mean, again, that that is kind of another... Uh, a bit of a bugbear chat of mine, kind of when people sort of start saying in around October, so can we consider X to be title challenges? Where in reality, it's a needless debate. But yes, we are. <laughs> are we going to do it, Seb? Uh, you know what? If we, last year I said, I reckon we will if we beat City away. And of course, we beat City away and we didn't. I think if we beat Liverpool, I, 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 I'm not quite sure. I, Liverpool, I think, is the one of the first weeks of February, um, unless there's some FA Cup nonsense gets in the way. But if we win at Anfield, I'm confident. I like the the tap on the table. Was it, that, that was, was authoritative, it? wasn't yeah. it? That was my. Can I have a think? This is my authority. This is what I think. See, bit, bit of gravitas. Eleventh of February at Anfield. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and that's that's probably our last difficult game of the season. I'd say. Who are Chelsea going to drop points um, to? I think Liverpool will beat them. Or take a point off them, Sorry, at least. Yeah. We'll take two points off them. Um, I could see Arsenal I, beating I, I, them. Uh, no, Arsenal the one they've that They've still got to go to Old Trafford as well, haven't they? Yeah, they've got to go to Old Trafford. They've got to go to... Uh, well, City have got to go there, of course. Um, interesting. There's plenty of places where Chelsea can drop points, I think. We've we've probably got I can't I off the top of my head I can't remember what it was, but I remember looking at our remaining fixtures compared to the teams around us about a week ago and thinking, Yeah, actually we're probably we've got quite a sizable advantage there. Um so yeah, interesting times. Interesting to see how we uh, handle the Europa League from here on in to see if we do just it's a complete change eleven or not and it'll be sort of because it's a couple that, you know, we discussed it and we said we can win it. So it's one of those mm, where... I reckon it'll be second string, though. I, I, I find it hard. Yeah. Well, not like kind of half... If we manage to like sort of... Do you know what I mean? Fluke our way into the quarterfinals, then I think he might be tempted to sort of start chucking the starters back in. Um, 
but we'll see. It's, that's just another sort of that's a, a side story, isn't it? A second yeah, yeah. sort of a thing. Um, but you know, fifty thousand people have bought tickets for Wembley, so mm. I don't think they'll take too kindly if they've got sort of a complete shite eleven that's been just put out as lambs to slaughter. So guess, but he, he um, did that against Dortmund, didn't he? Like he doesn't like <laughs> he gives zero fucks. Like he does not care. I th- I, but I think I don't, I don't think the intention's good though. No, I, yeah. I, I, actually, I want to take lambs to slaughter back because that you was mean. sort of yeah. when when Harry Redknapp would pick sort of twelve players from the under sixteens that we'd literally Fuck never seen hell. a yeah. first team shirt before. That was lambs to slaughter. But at least you know when Onomar and Wink start, at least they've had time in the first team and they've actually been trained by Pochettino for a, a large amount of time so it's not a complete piss take I mean if I'm I, honest, I honestly believe I, I, that some of those players that Redknapp picked he didn't even know their first names like because you know what he was like with youth players yeah. he just he could not possibly care less and all of a sudden they come in and I mean he, he couldn't pick some of those players out of a lineup. I, you know in uh, America they say, they say I could care less that's their version of that saying really yeah, you know, are like you, how we you, say, oh, I couldn't care less about that. They say, I could care less. Uh, it, f- it freaks me out every time I see it on like a TV show or something. I think they've misspoken. But it's I, I Googled it once and it is, it's the way that they've bastardised our language. Mm. <laughs> Endearing yourself to the, uh, to the American listeners. <laughs> none of them are left, mate. We know That's this. True. They've all gone. They, they've all gone. Um, Man City, though. Are we... Uh, I, They've just had a horrific result against Everton, and their, you know, Bravo is all over the shop. The defence is all over the shop. Um, and a lot. Of people, this is the one thing that worries me about the going. This in is game. it, mate. This is like I don't. I don't really look at that and think, kind of, you know, this is good. We can piss this. I look at that and think, for all the kind of talk of him not really adapting very well to the Premier League and being stubborn and so on and so forth. Let's be honest. Guardiola's not a mug. You know, he's a smart. He's a smart bloke and. He learns a lot more from a result like that than them going and trouncing Everton 3-0, to be honest. Um, that's what concerns me, to be honest. It's, it's the mentality change as well. When we went there and won last year, to sort of call back a, an off-air conversation, we could John Wilkes move it, we could just creep up out of fucking nowhere and do them. But because we're going into this one and people will be talking us up as favourites, mm. I'm not, I've not checked the odds yet, but I imagine Bookies would have us, have us favourites. At least evens, right? At least, um, especially. Given oh, form I'd, I'd be surprised. Of. I, I would, I would think we'd still be outside. It's just on history, and be just because of the flow of money, everybody will think our Spurs will bottle that. Uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think there's a nation. Is it really? I think there's a na- uh, sort of at least what I've sensed is sort of a nationwide feeling of distrust towards Manchester City at the moment. Sort of the fraudiola type thinking has taken over somewhat, especially after that Everton loss. And he has he's failed in in quite a lot of the the big games to really get a foothold in them. Our one kicked it off, obviously, but um, it's only the the Manchester derby that he really he really won. Mm. Um, I mean, they, I can't they think look, of it. Arsenal, obviously, but they they sort of don't know their ass from their elbow whenever the shit hit the fans. They do look terrible. Well, like they really, they, look they look really vulnerable. But either way, uh, we to win, we are thirteen to five. I might put some money on that then. If Bucky's yeah, being daft, because uh, I, I think they're definitely taking. Do you, do, you, uh-huh. do you reckon that he's you know the. <sighs> There's quite a lot of breathing room being afforded to him. This whole kind of, I, I mean, I just I, the fallback always seems to be, well, you know, he's trying to, you know, 
what is he's trying to build like a sports car out of rusty parts and so on and so forth. That's a squad that's had a lot of money spent on it, you know. I it is, but it's so lopsided. I think that kind of there's a difference between spending a lot of money and spending a lot of money well. I'd say that kind of the the front half of that side is is very effective, but you know the middle and the back of it it's pretty ropey. Yeah, but I mean, I, you, you know, have said Otamendi... that about Spurs before Pochettino took over. He's... Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I, I completely agree. But I, I kind of, if you think back to what Spurs were like in the first, remember that first six months under Pochettino, where I mean, every all the sensible people that we talked to, you all conceded the same thing that he's trying to do something and it's it's going to take a little bit of time because we started to pick up results, but we were up until probably about Christmas of that year frequently fucking awful yeah i mean fair, to watch i mean like, i remember i remember villa and hull you know games we won but games I, I i still really don't know how we won i remember swansea out playing us at um at the liberty stadium as well and then ericsson getting that last minute goal and it, it's just i don't know i i just i think that we had a little bit of good luck in that in that sequence and that kind of disguised how badly we were playing whereas i don't know city I mean, City have been taken apart pretty ruthlessly by Leicester and Everton, of course. And There's know. a perception issue as well because sort of there's that recent recency bias with how well Spurs have been playing compared to Man City. But if they knock us off on the weekend, they're level on points with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> in terms of the table never lying, it's sort of the way we view the game is is, is through a certain lens and, and you can only take. Form it's all relative, but... isn't it? I mean, yeah. like, we're, we're Spurs. We haven't spent what they've spent. We don't have fifty million pound players, you know, in every part of our side. And so, what counts as a good season for us is always going to be slightly less than um, than whatever's demanded of Guardiola. Uh, and I think also because he's Guardiola, such, of course. Yeah, there's there's a weird sort of again with sort of the the my bugbear with the coverage of it. There's there's no middle ground, yeah, or no middle ground that I've seen with people who appreciate what he does and sort of like the way in which he approaches the game and his philosophy of the game and those who want to discount everything he's ever achieved. Or Raj, um, he just thinks about the game in quite a lot of detail, which is quite, I mean, charming is the wrong word, but it, it is quite endearing. It's quite novel. And it, bringing someone like that into a culture where it is very binary and, you know, it, it's a, a sea of pardews and allodices. Mm. You know, to have someone that is... Uh, you know, almost. I, I, I suppose a kind of football's version of an intellectual. It's interesting. But it's yeah. You, you've got people who who do eulogise about him, and and even eulogise about him in the face of sort of contrary evidence. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got and then you've got the opposite side of that, and it's it's really strange. You see, it reminds me somewhat of of AVB when he was with us, especially um, because he, even his attitude towards the press is very similar. Because AVB had no time whatsoever for those people that that didn't want to speak to him about football in a very similar sort of way to. Um, the way Guardiola handles them as well. I think Pep might have slightly um, bigger stones and a, and a bigger ledge to stand on when it comes to sort of, you know, acting up a little bit because he's he's won a bit more. European he's been at bigger clubs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas AVB was just um, was chippy because he he sort of had to sit and look at Neil Ashton in the face every week. Which <laughs> I think it, it I, I, to, to avoid kind of like just lumping all the foreign blokes into one neat little package. One thing I would say, though, again, is it just makes me fucking appreciate Pochettino so much more, the way in which he just handles the press so unemotionally. I mean, he, he snaps every now and again. We've only seen that creeping through at kind of times of immense stress. But for the most part, 
He just doesn't give him. He doesn't give him anything. Still to this day, he he's he's quite. Um, I, I I was a little. I mean, I I um the only time I've ever seen Pochettino do anything other than just play a straight bat was when um uh, the West Ham game when he was asked about Harry Winks and um he kind of ordinarily he's the kind of guy you you, you, you think yeah you quite like to be out of here in two or three minutes if you if you possibly can be he unprompted spoke about Winks for about ten minutes. And, and just sort of glowing. He was like a proud dad. It was it was actually quite sweet to to, to see. But he's very, I don't know. He's. Did um, you see um, Billich at the weekend in his press conference? No, I haven't seen that yet. It's it it absolutely fantastic. <laughs> West Ham have just put on that that performance. They've won like three 0 Andy Carroll scored that absolute worldy. Um, and first question he gets is about Dimitri Payet, and he sort of looks down. <laughs> And like humps, and he goes, "Can we not talk about Carol Randolph for fuck's sake? Just ask me about someone else." <laughs> and he apologises for swearing, but it's just one of the most brilliantly sincere moments of of management I've seen for a, a while. Just because it's, it's it's that frustration of we've just won three 0 and he's just done something I've never thought Andy Carroll can ever do. Why are you asking me about Pye? <laughs> and that sort of underlines what we were saying about sort of the, the questions. These Can you imagine Pep Guardiola if he was in that position? He'd have walked it out. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, I don't think you can really blame him either because it is sort of... Oh, if you were in that situation, somebody... you'd do the same thing, I reckon. You'd just oh, be I a... would, yeah. but, but yeah, well, No, of... not you. I mean, we know you would, but like one would. <laughs> I'd just I, jump, into no. the, jump into the pit and start <laughs> swinging for him, but... Yeah, um, um, but it's you know it's it's weird, isn't it? And it's, I've, I feel like I've complained a lot today. Well, it's fine, let it out, mate. Let it out. Um, <laughs> Lee Brown at Lee Brown two asks, "Do well, this is some questions, but I do uh, do City if that wasn't abundantly clear? Um, do it's c- not just that Lee Brown you keep in your basement. <laughs> yeah, do- <laughs> a, a new character that you're going to introduce out of nowhere. <laughs> He's watched Split by him like Shyamalan, and he thought it's a good idea. This is his other." <laughs> I do, I do really want to watch that, actually. Um, do City need to stop Spurs, or do we need to work out how to stop City? I think we just both. play our own game. It's a bit both. Yeah, it's a bit right. both, but I think we play our own game. Yeah, we. Um, I think I think we're, we're really well positioned to beat them because, uh, you know, I mean, the same, same as was true back in October. I mean, uh, their weaknesses seem to really align quite nicely with our strengths. Um, and... There's no continuity in either his back four or whatever the hell he thinks he's doing with that midfield in front. Um, if he plays Zabaleta there again, we'll eat them alive. If he plays Yaya Torre there, then, you know, Victor Yeah, Yaya Torre, yeah, exactly. Like, you, you, you put Dembele and Wanyama and Ali and Oh, Harrison. I love Wanyama. You, you can't, you can't, he can't line up as he did. I, I, I don't think he will because I think he'll be, he'll be uh, informed by what happened at Goodison Park. Do you think he'll drop Bravo? Uh, was that? No, but, well, I, I don't think so. I think, um, well, because it, it, is there enough? Is a strong enough case for saying that Caballero is definitively better? I don't. He's okay, but I mean, just kind of stopping the rock, giving Bravo a bit of headspace, let him come back after a few games. Because yeah, makes sense. But I it's mean, kind of what he did oh, with Hart, isn't it? Well, not Guardiola, but it's well, what Pellegrini yeah, did. Pellegrini yeah, did yeah, Hart, yeah. Brought Willie in for a bit and. I tell you, the thing about that Bravo stuff is that I, I, I like I completely accept the criticism of him, but at the weekend I just thought, well, wh- which one of those goals was he supposed to, to keep out? 
I mean, because I, he hasn't, he wasn't great, but then he was probably the least shit of all of those defensive players, <laughs> wasn't he? So it's like, you know... Like, John Stones you, had a horror everybody, show. Mate, not even so... Otamendi. John Stones is apparently a, a really emotional lad, though. Do you not remember when we spoke to the Everton lads about when yeah, he was yeah, supposed yeah. to go the first year and sort of they caught him crying in a service station <laughs> and he was walking out because Everton, Everton fans were asking him if he was going to stay so on. so heartless, Jack. Um, um, and sort of, you know, so I think that might have been a bit much for him to go back. Uh, it does sound like he's sort of George Costanza, doesn't it, when he's crying in a service station. <laughs> but he's... At, yeah, I feel sorry for the lad. At the debate, <laughs> I, like, uh, I think Stones a really good player. Really. Actually, I um, I really like Stones. Uh, at debate, ninety two, who should replace Super Yan, Davies or Wimmer? This is a good question, actually. I think me and um, we, I think we jinxed this, didn't we, Sheb, on the last yeah, one? Yeah, we, we did. Ben Davies in the back three and um. What a useful option it would be, and you know, why not give it a try? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said, why not give it a try? I didn't mean you know go and snap your ankle yeah. so we can actually give it a good run. But I'd give it to Davies because he plays so well there for for Wales, and um, he gives that extra sort of go forward that that Wimmer's slightly dodgier with. We can't obviously forget how good Wimmer was last year in exactly yeah. this same situation, but given it's a different formation and you need the centre-back to do something slightly different mm. from that position. Um, I think Davies has actually been quite good playing left-back of late as well. He's he's obviously not the same player Danny Rose is and what they do in that position is completely different. It's sort of, it's like comparing two musicians. They they both play guitar, but it's of a completely different genre. Um, so you can't really discount one. Obviously, Danny Rose is the much better of the two, but you can't really say that Ben Davies is shit just because he's doing something different with it. Um, but I, I'd give him a go. I'd quite like to see what he could do there because he's. I think he's earned a chance to prove himself what? in the first team. He's, he's never spoken out of turn. He's never sort of been anything less than a model professional. Even in a recent interview, I've, I've heard him sort of um, say that he's happy to be there and he feels like he's learning and watching Danny Rose is good for his game. So um, I, I don't think there's... there's um, there's anything like that. And the stuff with Wimmer sort of leaving every window can't be anything more than his agent putting his name out there. So that, that does slightly, you know, annoy me a little bit. So I, do I would think be Davies a little bit worried be about Wimmer against Sterling and Aguero and De Bruyne. I, I, I think I'd go for the mobility with Davis as well. I just, that's what I was going to say. It's like, it's, it's, it's almost like a, a physical thing, isn't it? I think the, yeah, with Wimmer, you've got a kind of taller, more imposing figure who you might want in against, you know, if you're playing against West a Brom. Salomon Rondon, you know, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. However, exactly. when you're playing against a team like City, yeah, I think there is that case for Davies, really, to, to, to play it wrong. And like you say, Raj, it's not really technically a, a centre-back as such, is it? Like, it's... No. It's a bit more adaptive than that when you've especially the way Jan's been playing it as well. It's like Jan of old, where he's going on these yeah. marauding yeah. runs and all sorts. Yeah, it's like Villas Boas Vertonghen, isn't it? It's an absolutely um, miserable blow. That it's it, it's pretty much it's probably the, eight, the rest of the season now, isn't it? I think it's, they said eight it's two months, eight to ten weeks, two months, yeah. two months. So he should be back in, in good time. 
<laughs> it's fucked. It's over. Mm. Rest of the season. No, I don't know. Ligam- <laughs> ligaments. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not convinced. To be honest, Mate, you've like, gone from like 12 minutes from we're going to win the league to oh for fuck's no, sake. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't. I don't think that derails us. I, I have enough faith in in the standings. Um, and I have a, basically I have enough faith in Alderweireld. Alderweireld. That's it. Go. Whoever's next to him, I think he's he's got that thing that that Ledley King had now, whereby you yeah, know, Dawson. Dawson, I think, is you know a, f- a fine and decent enough defender for what we were at the time, but you know, no doubt was he made to look a hell of a lot better every time he played again alongside King. Um, so you know, uh, that's that's kind of what we got going for us. And I think Alderweireld's kind of our, our like defining factor against anybody, though. Is sort of you've got Aguero, we've got Alderweireld, you've got Costa, we've got Alderweireld. You know, I, I don't with him in the side. I'm not really afraid of other teams because, you know, on the basis that we'd always sort of you know deep in our own half, he counters the aerial threat. He's mobile enough to deal with like a, a Nippier, you know, sort of more dynamic forward. I mean, it's just um, it's not like we've got. It's not like the Kabul problem against no, Aguero, no, no. where you used to just shit yourself because you, you know you knew what was going to happen. He was just going to get ragdolled by everybody, and. Um, Made to, to <laughs> yeah, still I think, really so a, a shout out again <laughs> as well to uh to Eric Dye, who I think is readapting back to this kind of new role really well again. So it started off quite sketchily, I think. There are a few iffy moments at the start of the season, but touch wood, he seems to be pretty imperious mm. as well. Um, yeah, yeah, again. Absolutely. so he found his feet because I can't, to be fair, at the moment, I can't really see him taking one of those midfield slots really. If, no, uh, if no, he wasn't no, in this no. position, but I don't know, I'm liking it. I'm quite liking this new this formation that we're playing at the moment. It seems as if that Pochettino is just playing players in their best positions, as opposed to trying to sort of shoehorn the load of players into a system that you know can kind of accommodate them. It it genuinely seems to be that he's looked at what he has available to him and is playing in a way that brings out the best in all of them. You know what I find really interesting is that. Um, because of the because you know the the two outside centre backs essentially in a way do a, a little bit of a fullback role without the ball, um, it allows Walker and Rose to be much higher up the pitch. Mm. Um, Danny Rose is I all think, over the place now, as mate. Well. Danny, uh, right, but they're, but they're so, both he such was playing right wing for the other for <laughs> one of our goals on the weekend. <laughs> he was like playing. Um, I can't remember who tweeted it out, but. Uh, Someone, um, someone said it. It looks like watching Alaba now, and I, I you know, it, it sounds like a Jonathan Lee said that exactly. And um, it wasn't a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, superficially maybe, but it. Um, he he just he looks very comfortable everywhere he is, and um, and I suppose one of the, the only criticism that ever lay uh, level at Pochettino is that sometimes his attacking football can be a little bit narrow, and this three centre back system has kind of cured that. Uh, we've got so much width now um, that it's, um, you know, putting those two players in those kind of positions, is, it seems to be really key to what we're trying to do. Uh, um, interesting one here from Joe Patrick um, at J. Oh, somebody with two first names, you can never trust them. <laughs> at J.A. <laughs> Patrick 200 asks. Sorry, I'm sure you're a nice person, but that is a general rule for life. <laughs> How will Lamella be integrated back into the team? Is an injury to our current best eleven his only route? This is this is a good question. Um, Interesting question. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm a massive fan of Lamella, but I I wouldn't put him back in now at the moment. To be honest, I think what we've got is a definitive first eleven at yeah. the moment. Um, 
And I wouldn't, um, again, just just like you, Jack, I'm massive Lamella. First of all, the caveat is, I don't think a Lamella return sounds very imminent. No. Um, He seems to have, he's got turf toe, hasn't he? Whatever he's got, it's that same sort of Danny Rose, like... Some hip he'll be, injury. He, he'll be back next week for every week since like the last week of December. Yeah, exactly. But I, 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 don't, I don't think it's just the injury, though, is it? I think there's some personal stuff going on as well. His family. Yeah, and... with his brother, and you know, I don't think he's even in England yet. Yeah. I, I think he's still in Rome. Is Brian so... Lamella still on Twitter? I'll ask him. He'll, he'll no, I think I think it's about too. Brian. I think Brian Lamella's had some kind of. Issue. Has he lost his Twitter password? <laughs> no, I genuinely no idea. But there's something quite weird has happened. I think I've heard something yeah. about like a, a mental health issue, or perhaps this is. But this is going by Twitter here, so you know. But there's there's something, uh, some sort of family issue that you know. Well, he did tweet "Welcome Summer" in December, so maybe he's like mm. something's happened to him. Well, I, I I think either way, I think it's probably smart to rule Lamella out for the rest of the. Is it um, summer when it's winter in Argentina? Perhaps it could be, yeah, like Australia and. Or maybe he's being sarcastic. I don't know, Brian. What's wrong with you? Wonder if he listens. <laughs> do you, no, but do, 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 do you genuinely remember when he used to tweet on a weekly basis? Oh yeah, yeah. He used to say my brother, my brother's going to be in the starting lineup this week, and you can tell the Spurs management was just like, "No, he's not. No, you've said that." <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, that's uh, well, there we go, lads. I think that's uh, that feels like. I think Eric Lamella's one of those who'll um, he'll play in the Europa League and sort of have those moments there, won't he? And um, I really, I really don't think we'll see him for the rest of the season. Actually, guys, I mean, from the sounds of everything, it just, it seems like it's kind of, and also there's no necessity to it. I mean, if he's got a family issue, we need a he's got, deep squad. We do, but I mean, you know, we've kind of got this sort of. I mean, now the sort of the second eleven includes players like Sissoko and Son and, and you know, players, players that you don't really want to see in the Premier League at the moment, and so I'm sure they'll get plenty of time in the Europa League. Dude. He's supposed to be in Rome with a physio, isn't he? He's what? He's in Rome with a physio. Yeah, he's still there apparently. So um, I got, I got to believe that sort of but once he gets, there's like there's Tottenham officials with him out there apparently as well. Yeah, he's not just he hasn't just gone to Rome a wall. I mean, has, hasn't just it's not like when Carlos Tavares went to go play. <laughs> no, golf he's not golfing in Buenos Aires. No, he, he's 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 recovering. Um, but he. You got to believe that as and when he comes back, he hasn't trained since October, so you know he's not going to come back ready to play. Um, I've almost got the creeping obvious. feeling we might not see him at Spurs again. That's just uh, no, don't don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't, I, I don't know, mate. This feeling in my waters once again. I'm going. Mm. I'm going to start going with it. I reckon mate. it's it's 2017. You see, you see what you know. We we placed well, falling apart. Well, we we placed all this conviction in kind of you know no that won't happen. Because systems are in place, but that mean anything anymore, mate. None of it does. That's it. Spurs are going to win the league. Spurs are going to win the double. Actually, they're going to win the double. The only the one thing that I've I said that I stick by is that I think we'll go the full year undefeated at home, um, which That's means nice. a lot. It's a nice. I really like that. As well, really, really would like that. That's the one thing that I um, oh, imagine if it was just against home. Arsenal. Imagine. Uh, Why do you always go right? there? Because I can't help it, mate. We got until April to worry about it's that. Like That's picking, just, a, um, picking a scab, you know. 
got something wrong with you. Yeah, plenty of things. <laughs> right. Um, the street. Let's kill it with fire. Well, uh, <laughs> if you do want to listen to any of the previous episodes of Rule the Rich podcast, you can do so on Acast, on iTunes, uh, on our website rtrpod.com. You can follow us on Twitter at rtr underscore pod. Um, listen to it. Give us some iTunes reviews. Send us some abuse. Come on, you Spurs. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.